you guys. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here and just like to welcome all of you. Thank you so much for gathering with us today. Uh, if you're a guest this morning, um, it, in the seat backs, you'll find a card that says connect. If you wouldn't mind grabbing that card and at some point just filling that out. Uh, you can take that card after the service. We'll be out underneath this tent. You'll see right outside these doors. Uh, Grant, Melody, and I would love to just connect with you and get some of the info, uh, uh, some of the info, know how we could best be praying for you and all of that. We're so excited to gather this morning and worship and do that through God's word, do that through singing, do that through uh, shared experience together. But we also want to let you know of a couple of things that are going on through the week. Uh, the first is small groups. Small groups meet each week all the way through August on Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8 right in this room. Raise your, has any of you been to a small group yet? Checked one out? Good. Yeah, look at you. Yeah, I hear awesome things about that. Uh, super awesome uh, time just to connect. I, I do want to make it clear for small groups. These are open small groups. If you have yet to attend one, that's okay. You aren't behind. You haven't like missed out on something that will make it weird for you to come show up. The whole point and purpose of those groups are gathering together, uh, sharing a little experience, icebreaker type thing at the beginning. Um, there's a kid's table. Last week I heard there was an ice cream bar. Shoot. So I don't know, maybe show up and get stuff like that. So a uh, really awesome opportunity as well to just go over the message and to share life together, to experience that with one another. So encourage you to check that out if you haven't checked that out. The goal for that is that this community that God has placed you in for you to maybe get to know and grow together. Maybe you come each Sunday and you, you see people that also come each Sunday, but you haven't, haven't met them yet or, or known a name. And I hear so many stories that that's happened in those times. So great opportunity to do that and grow in your faith and grow in relationships. Another great way to connect is on August 7th, we have a community lunch. And what a community lunch is, is that we, right after our service, we gather in the courtyard and we share a meal together. And that's going to be a really, an extra special community lunch because, for one, there'll be ice cream, right? Amen for ice cream, can we? Yeah, especially with how toasty it's been. But also, uh, the Livies are going to be there, and it's just another good opportunity for us to uh, hear from some of our missionaries, to connect with one another, and to share a meal. As you can see, for us, this, this concept of community is very, very important because we believe that uh, biblical community is the catalyst for being a church that's on mission, a church that's moving somewhere. And we believe God has placed a clear mission on us and, and is right there posted on the wall to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, love people, and do good. And, and we don't want those to be words. We want that to flesh out and, and make itself a reality and, and tangible acts of love, intangible expressions of discipleship, and intangible moments where people can experience a community that can't be experienced outside of Jesus. So, so I just thank you guys for joining in that. I want to let you know a way that you can uh, partner with us financially in that as well. There's a couple of different ways to do that. In the back, there's an envelope that says give, uh, and you can use that. Um, and if you didn't see, there's a box on the wall right outside those doors. You can just go ahead and put that envelope inside that box. That works. There's a couple other digital ways if you're more inclined. There's a text to give option. Uh, you can give online uh, as well as there is um, the Church Center app. If you've had that, you can give through there. Uh, we just really appreciate and thank you 
for, for partnering with us as a community, as a church, in, in your finances, in your giving, for partnering in the very fact that you guys are here and you're present and that you guys take risks like on Wednesday to come and play some games and have some ice cream and be together. Because we believe each one of those things is a sacrifice, right? Each one of those things costs something. It costs financially, it costs time, it costs maybe a little bit of vulnerability. But we believe it's in those things that we experience the life that God has for us. So I just thank you for that. I thank you for joining us in that and participating in that. I would love to pray for us this morning. Lord, you are good. That is why we gather here. There might even be some in this room who, who are asking that question, whether you are good. There may be some in here, as Grant was saying, as we were call and response, that, that are just rejoicing in your goodness. But Lord, the thing that I just am so thankful for is that you meet each one of us in our sorrow, in our joy, in our excitement, in the tribulation we find ourselves in. You meet us there. So I pray this morning as we gather that this would not be a passive experience, that as, as Pastor Melody comes up, that the words that she's speaking would just work on our heart in such a way that you have already prepared in us. So God, we're thankful for this community. We ask that you embolden us in every opportunity we can to invest more deeply in it, to experience more joy in it, and that you would just be with us through the rest of this morning and this week. We give these things to you in your name. Amen. Join me in welcoming Pastor Melody. Woo! Yeah. I told him I needed some entrance music. He forgot that part. Come on, Josh. Good morning. How are you this morning? Yeah, good? I cranked the AC down a couple notches. You're welcome. Uh, how's everyone doing? Are you happy to be here today? Yes? I'm happy that you're here. Uh, any vacations coming up? Anyone yet to go on vacation? Is your vacation coming up? Yeah, a couple people. Just came back. Welcome back. I'm happy you're here. Uh, we have some several families uh, out on vacation, and um, just you know, it's just so good when we're here and we're together. So thank you for being here. Uh, I was actually supposed to be across the country today. I was supposed to be across the country right now. We had this whole road trip planned with our family. We were going to be in Texas first, and then Tennessee, and then Ohio, and then all the way to Washington, D.C. in a car with four kids in the summer, okay? So I don't, I don't even know why we thought that was a good idea in the first place. But uh, I was supposed to be, we were supposed to be across the country, but about eight weeks ago in our house, things started to slowly fall apart. Not actually slowly, they started to quickly fall apart. Uh, first things with our cars, and then, uh, you know, our garbage disposal died, our refrigerator died, just everything was falling apart. So we thought, let's not torture ourselves in the first place by going across the country in the summer, in the heat, with four kids. Let's take that money and maybe buy a fridge. Uh, let's take that money and maybe fix your windshield. Uh, let's do a couple things. So uh, instead of doing that, I get to be here with you today. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, and you know, even though our big you know, uh, trip was canceled, we still got to get away for a few days. It was Chris's birthday last Monday. Look at him. 
That is your elder chair right there who turns into a six-year-old boy with his malted milkshake. He was so happy. Look at that guy. All he needed was a malted milkshake and he is good. Uh, but we rented a little cabin in Big Bear uh, this week and we were gone for a few days. And here's a picture of our family in the little cabin we stayed at. How cute are we, right? Isn't that a much better picture than the one you're gonna see of me hot and sweaty like in Arizona somewhere pointing at some rock, right? This is a much better picture. I mean, we're cute, right? But, you know, uh, it took a few tries to get this picture. I learned how to do the timer thing. My teenage daughter showed me. I had to run, so let me show you a few failed attempts here. Here I am not even in position yet. Uh, Chris is looking at something, Kaylee's looking at something. Uh, Josh is my, you know, almost teenage son and is like, oh, mom, take the picture, right? So that's one failed attempt. We have another failed attempt that I'm gonna show you here. Here I'm like, let's go, let's go. And I was counting, I was literally counting down, but the phone timer is faster than me, so we didn't make it. Um, but does that happen to you? You're trying to get the picture, right? And then one of you is like this, and the other one is, you know, just like, again, look at us. This always happens to us at Christmas time, when we're trying to take our Christmas card picture. And let me tell you, I am not the family that gets coordinated outfits and stands out in a field and says, this is what we look like, because that's just not me. I love those pictures, but that's not how I do it. This is more like what I send out at Christmas time. It's just us, we're making faces, my eyes are closed. Chris looks so tired in this picture, I don't know. When I looked at it up close, you can't even see. There's another picture here, another Christmas card. Look at that. That was last year. That, and I think that was on Thanksgiving Day, and I'm like, let's do it because Sam's Club is having a special and I have to order it online and I can get 50 prints for six bucks or whatever it is. So that was the picture we sent out last year. I have another one here. What's the next one? Oh yeah, so this Christmas card is literally in front of the garbage cans out here at New Song. <laughs> Between services, I grabbed my friend Marissa and I was like, please snap our Christmas picture really fast. So there was that one. And then there's, that's us in the downtown village and I was like, okay, it's Christmas themed, we're here. But this has to be my favorite. This last picture I'm gonna show you of Josh and Kaylee. Aww. How cute. Now they're really like teenagers and kind of punks and so cute. They say that when they're teenagers, you should put pictures around them as little kids so that you remember that you love them. So I'm gonna be printing a couple pictures this week. Um, but this has to be my favorite picture. This is right when I was two months away from delivering the twins. I was super pregnant, I looked like a truck. And, uh, and so the card was, said something like, oh no, my twin sisters are coming, or something like that. But that has to be my favorite Christmas picture. So you can tell that we have a few failed attempts. And, um, but let's get back to my Big Bear picture here. Can you bring that up one more time, Electra? Thank you so much. Let's get back to my Big Bear picture here. We're, you know, it took a couple times, but I, I got the perfect shot. I got the perfect shot. I added the filter that I like. Vivid is my favorite one, by the way. Uh, I cropped it because you could kind of see the, the piece of furniture I was leaning it on. And, and if I would have posted something, I could have posted this picture. And, and my friends, my family, you guys would see that and say, wow, what a great family. Look at that sweet picture. And what I might choose to say under this picture is, 
Magical time in Big Bear. What a time we had. Da, da, da. Right? You wouldn't know from this picture that just before the picture, the kids were fighting about what room everyone was going to get. They were fighting about that. You wouldn't know from this picture that everyone in this picture had a headache because of the change of elevation, you know? We got there pretty quick. It was pretty immediate, and, and everyone had a headache. So we spent the next few hours drinking water and taking a Tylenol. You wouldn't know that from this picture. You wouldn't know these things because that's not what I would have put out there. That's not what I'm choosing to show you. I'm showing you a highlighted photo, an edited photo, a cropped photo. And what did you say that's, that's mostly true for us? That's mostly true. What we present to each other, perhaps on social media, what we present to each other in person, at work, with family, friends, here. What we present to each other is something that is filtered, maybe. We crop out the things that don't look so good. We don't bring that here, no. We crop out these things, we edit. We edit, we filter, and we might tend to present the best edited picture of ourselves. And I might say, venture out on a limb with me here, I might say that we tend to do this with God as well. We tend to do this with God. In today's Psalm, David comes face to face with the fact that he cannot crop, he cannot edit, he cannot filter, he cannot keep anything from God. And when we read this in a second, you will hear from a man who is desperate. You will hear from a man who has hit rock bottom. David comes face to face with the reality of his life. Now let me give you a quick backstory before we read the psalm. The quick backstory of this is that King David, the slayer of the giant, the gentle shepherd boy, the beloved king of Israel, is the man who writes this psalm. And this psalm takes place in a time of war. Uh, usually kings went to fight with their men. And this time David chooses to stay home, and one night he's on a rooftop, and from there he sees a woman bathing. You might be familiar with this story. And uh, he sends for this woman that he sees on a rooftop. He finds out that she's married to a soldier in David's army. And not just any soldier, but like a top dog soldier, an elite soldier, one of the best. But David does not care. He sees what he likes, he grabs it, he takes it. And we're not told for how long this goes on, but David sleeps with her. David sleeps with her. We're not, we're not sure what their relationship entailed, but soon enough, this woman is pregnant, and she sends word to the king. So David panics, and he makes a plan. He calls her husband home from war. He gets him nice and happy, nice and drunk, and at the end of the night says, go be with your wife, enjoy the rest of the evening. But the soldier is faithful to his post and says, I'm not gonna go be with my wife right now when my fellow men are here, I'm gonna stay with them. So dang it, that plan didn't work. David is hoping he will go home, sleep with his wife, and that will solve the problem but that plan failed. 
So David plans again, and this time he arranges for this soldier to be abandoned at the front lines of war. He's killed on purpose by the scheming and the planning of King David. So great, David takes on Bathsheba as his wife. No one will think anything suspicious. Problem solved. Cut, cropped, filtered, edit complete. The outside world will never know. He continues to be King David, the slayer of the giant, the most beloved king. He continues to do this for about a year's time until one day, one day when the prophet named Nathan came to David's door and confronts him with the truth. And David has now come face to face with true reality, not the edited version that he presented to the world and not the edited version that he was trying to hide from God. He comes face to face with his sin before God, and this is what is written on this day, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right with your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You don't take pleasures in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. And you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Yikes! Right? King David is caught. Unfiltered. Uncropped. Unedited. Exposed. Wow, Melody, way to bring a Debbie Downer. We were just rocking out here. Could have kept going on that vibe. We could have, yes. You could have picked another song, Mel. Give us an uplifting message today. What was that verse? Verse 3, for I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you 
only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? Wow, Melody, you super suck right now. You're the worst. Anyone thinking? Don't raise your hand. But no, I want to tell you, my friends, no, no, no. I want to tell you that, yes, this psalm is labeled as a psalm of lament, but this psalm brings me great joy. Great joy because I know that I am exposed. I know that he can see everything about me. I know this. I know that I cannot hide from God. I know that I'm a sinner. It brings me great joy because because I cannot edit, I cannot filter, I cannot crop. I have done things that I am ashamed of. I have done things that I'm embarrassed about. I've done things that I regret. Say amen to that, please. Amen. Amen. We have done these things, but as much as I know that those things are 100% part of my life and part of who you know, I was and part of who I am, I know that 100% of the time I am forgiven and receive grace and forgiveness daily because of God. I know that 100% of the things I struggle with, I can take to the feet of Jesus and he will help me walk through it right by my side. And I know that 100% of the time I am not alone in my struggle. 100% of the time. Please don't mistake my enthusiasm for this psalm as an effort to make sin sound lighter or to make these things that I've done just seem like, oh, I have an easy way out because, oh, yeah, there's forgiveness. Oh, yeah, it's fine. No, no way. There's a clear direction to seek out in this psalm for sure, and we'll get to those in a moment, but my enthusiasm comes from a place of just accepting that and knowing that there's, I can't hide it. I'm caught. I'm exposed. I'm unfiltered. I can't hide it. In this series we're looking at in Psalms, we have, we have, I suggested to you, let's see how we see ourselves in these words. Let's see how we see ourselves in these words. Let's see how we see ourselves in relation to what the psalmist is writing. Can we see ourselves in these psalms? Can I see myself? I can see myself here. I know I can. Can we take an honest look at these words and, and say we identify with them? I know I can. I know that I see myself in every single line. I want you to listen to this quote from this book. What the Psalms offer us is a powerful aid to unhide, to stand honestly before God without fear, to face one another vulnerably without shame, and to encounter life in the world without any secrets that would demean and distort our humanity. The Psalms then are for those who know they spend much of their life hiding secrets. They are also for those who know that standing in the presence of God is the one place where such secrets cannot and must not be hidden. The Psalms invite us thus to stand in the light, to see ourselves truly and receive the reformative work of God. 
through the formative work, through the formative work words of the psalmist, so that we might be rehumanized in Christ. This is good news and cause for great joy, my friends. It is good news that we can stand in the light, unhide, and receive the reformative work of God through these words. So let's see what we can learn from David's experience. The first thing David does is he, he unhides. In verse 3, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. David comes out of a year or so of scheming, of hiding. He did not try to defend himself. He is caught. He is admitting it. He is owning it. He is naming it. He is completely transparent before God. Can we stand here today, today here where you are, and say that we are completely transparent before God? I don't know, maybe, maybe some of us are, are hiding something. Or maybe you're listening to this and say, well, Melody, I've never stolen anything. Melody, I've never had an affair or this or that or whatever it is. Sins are sins and the end. <laughs> I've had people say to me, well, small sins don't really count. Sins are sins, my friends. There's no such thing as a big sin or a little sin. Sin is sin. Sorry if you don't like it. I don't either. But that is it. That is facts are facts. Sin can lead us down roads that lead to another and another and another. And not only does it lead us down roads to this, this way or that way, but before you know it, we might start rationalizing our sin. We might start feeling justified in what we are doing. But here's why I had to. There's a reason why I do this. And we make excuses for ourselves that our excuses seem justified. Our excuses seem that they are just a part of our life now. Here's why I had to. I was 19 years old, once upon a time. I was 19 years old and I was going to Pasadena City College at the time. I was quite the responsible young lady. I had a part-time job. I taught Sunday school. I went to my classes. To everyone who saw it, I appeared to be, perhaps, picture perfect. I would appear to be so. But oh boy, was I hiding. I was hiding. I had very strict, strict parents in all senses of the word and what that might look like. And, and I grew up hiding things from them. I grew up hiding things from them because it made sense to me. It felt right. It felt right. I felt justified in my hiding things from them because of how unreasonable they were. So when my first college crush came around, my parents spotted that a mile away and were like, no way, no, no way, which meant absolutely nothing to me. 
So I started dating this guy in secret for over a year. Well, one summer day, again, feeling justified in my mind of what I was doing, why I was doing it, feeling completely justified, one summer day, I tell my parents that I was going to go register for fall classes. And this is at the time where, you know, um, you had a catalog with numbers and you had to use a campus phone on campus to register for classes. Did anyone do that? Want to remember that time? We were comparing notes with my husband, and I said, how did you used to do this? He said, oh, I did it on paper. I was like, that's right. You're three years older than me. You're old. <laughs> uh, so I had to go and register my classes at the Pasadena City College phone, and you, know, you had to go on your assigned day. Do you remember that? So I told my parents that I was going to campus to register for classes. 100% true. The part that I left out was that I was picking up my secret college boyfriend on the way. He was gonna go register for classes too. I wasn't dating a loser, he was a nice guy, I was just dating him in secret. Okay, so we were gonna register for classes. But I edited out the part that said I was gonna go pick him up. So I head out, I park in front of his place, he sees me, he comes out, my secret college boyfriend, and he buckles up, and bam! A car slams right into me on my side of the car. The next thing you know, the next thing I remember is there's paramedics all around. There's paramedics all around. Gosh, that noise scared me. My heart is like pumping. To this day, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little side story. To this day, if I hear a loud bang from behind me in close range, there's been times where I just burst into tears. It sends me back there. So that bam kind of scared me. Sorry if it scared you. But the next thing you know, there's paramedics all around. Somehow I'm on the curb. I'm crying. Glass and cuts all over me. And I look up, and my little Honda Accord was smashed in half. Smashed in half. You see, right when I was pulling away from his house, he lived right on a corner, right when I was pulling onto the street, and it was kind of a downhill street, another car was coming down and zoomed the corner and smashed right into me on my side. I remember the paramedics kept telling me not to move. They thought for sure I had major internal injuries because of the impact, because of what my car looked like. I just remember my knee throbbing, my knee was throbbing and my skin felt like it was on fire because of all of the glass. And when my parents got to the hospital, I remember clear as day, clear as day to this day, her face when she walked into that hospital room. It was first, you know, relief that she saw me, that I was alive, that I was okay. And then it was like a slow motion turn to rage and anger. And I look at what she's looking at and I turn, and who's sitting right here? My secret college boyfriend. Of course he wasn't gonna leave me. He was there with me. But now I was caught. I was exposed. I didn't even realize it I was so out of it, but there he was, my parents walking in. 
I am exposed. Circumstance brought all of this out in the open. And I had to tell my parents that I had been lying to them for a very long time. I had been lying to them for a very long time. So how do we stand in front of God without shame, without rationalizing our sin, without justifying it, without excuses? Can we own it? David goes on to say that he knows how weak he is as a man, a man who struggles for sin. He admits it in verse 5. He says, Surely I was simple at birth, simple from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Here he is saying, Hey, I know I have sinned a thousand times since I've been alive. This isn't the only time I have screwed up. And I think we can see ourselves here in David again and again. We screw up all the time, yes? We screw up all the time. This is a broken world we have have been born into. We live in a broken world. And David is saying here, "I, I have been sinful since then. It says, clean me with hyssop, which is an herb, by the way. It was an herb that grows in Israel, and it was used to absorb Um, blood, and that was used to, um, that was used during sacrificial moments. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast your presence from me, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David wants to start over. He wants to restore his relationship with God. He wants to restore his intimacy with God. Nothing can be set right until this is set right. David knows what life apart from God feels like. In Psalm 32, verse 2 and 4, he says, When I kept silent... You could read that as, when I was hiding, when I was covering things up, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. He's groaning all day long, bones wasting away. These are words David used to describe how much he missed his relationship with God. How much he missed his communion with God. But for David, when he stopped hiding, when he stopped cropping, he stopped editing, that's when the healing began. That's when the healing began. David says in these verses, I fully expect that salvation and joy are going to return to me because I know who you are. I know who you are. Let me feel joy and gladness. Let my bones rejoice. I will be whiter than snow because I know who you are. And just as David asked for a new beginning, a restored relationship, so can we. So can we. Grant said in one of his sermons in these last few weeks that we don't have to clean ourselves up to come to God. He will do that. You don't have to clean yourselves up. He is in every detail. And although sin is not a part of his plan, we do that on our own. He makes light shine in the darkness. We just have to turn to him in that darkness. David wants a new beginning, and we can have that too. 
Finally, in this last step, David acknowledges that he deserves nothing on his own merit. In verse 15, it says, Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. David knows that God wants his heart and God wants our hearts just as much. There is nothing we can do on our own accord to make things right with God. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know. It doesn't matter how many verses you can recite by memories. It doesn't matter how many things, good things, we volunteer for. It doesn't matter. Our goodness is not sufficient. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. Is that a clicking in my ear? Am I just hearing something? Oh, someone's clicking back there? Okay, sorry. I thought it was my ear all of a sudden. I was like, oh, that's going to be really annoying for the recording. <clears throat> but it doesn't matter. We cannot, we can, our goodness is insufficient. We can't crop, filter, edit. We can't do any of those things. It will be in vain. He wants a transparent, honest, unedited, fully human, fully you. That's what he wants. He wants you today and now. He doesn't want you when you go home in an hour. He doesn't want you tonight when you decide it's a good time to pray. He wants you today, here, now. All of us. The end. He wants that. And if you read this psalm, if we were to read it again, you would see that there is no fear in this psalm. There is no fear. David knows how much God loves him. We don't deserve anything he gives, it, he gives us, but he gives it to us freely. Listen to these verses right here. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all our unrighteousness. Listen to this verse, Psalm 51, 7. And I will be clean, clean, and I will be whiter than snow. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And I'm going to invite you to do something today. We're going to sing a song, and as we listen to this song, I want you to think about what you heard this morning. Is there something, is there something that you have edited out, that you have cropped, that you have filtered? Something in your past, something in your present, something today? Is there something that maybe you can say clear as day, clear as day as when I remember my mom walking through that hospital room? Is there something clear as day that you know, I struggle with this? I struggle with this. I have this sin that just occurs and occurs and occurs. Yes, this is a problem for me. 
Or maybe is there something that you tend to brush aside? You make allowances for this thing. It's just become what you do now. Whatever it is, I hope you know exactly what it is. In fact, I'm going to venture to say that I'm 100% positive you know what it is, because I know mine. You know what it is. We're going to take a few minutes and spend some time with God today. On your seat, you should have found a piece of paper. And there's pens all around. If you need a piece of paper or you need a pen, do you raise your hand? There should have been one on every seat. Chris is right there. You guys have it? Anyone? I don't want to miss anyone. Darren, back there. Chris, can you help? Darren. I'm going to invite us, you, me, everyone in this room, everyone in this room, let's be unfiltered. No cropping today. No editing. Let's stand transparent before God in this moment. Let us own our sin in this moment, what we struggle with, what we have rationalized, what we have excused. Let's name what it is we have been doing. Let's do what David did and write it out to God this morning. I can feel it in the air. I can feel that some of us just don't even want to put a word on a piece of paper. But unless you are Jesus himself, you have something to write on this paper. I'm going to say, let's unhide from God today. Let's sing and say, Lord, I need you every hour. I need you every hour. I need you. And in a moment, they're going to sing a little bit of the song. And then I'm going to invite us today to roll up our piece of paper and take it to the back prayer wall right there. Take it to the back prayer wall. No one, no one looks at these. I am not going to come in tomorrow morning, unroll them, and try to guess. I'm not going to do that. But what I will do, and what many people in here, and you as well, I will pray for you. You pray for me. We are going to pray over that wall. What is left on that wall, these pieces of paper are between you and God. And your, your sin, your struggle will be prayed over. And let's leave this at the feet of Jesus today. Today. He will take care of it. He will clean it up. He knows your struggle. He knows my struggle. We can unhide, as the quote said. It said, stand in the light to see ourselves truly and to receive the reformative work of God through the reformative work words of the psalmist so that we might be re humanized in Christ. My friends, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do it. But, oh, I hope you do. 
I hope you do, and I'm going to be the first one back there with my piece of paper. Because I know that I need Jesus 100% of the time. I know I need him. So again, take your paper, own it, say it, admit it, and leave it today. Will you pray with me? Lord, we need you. Every hour, we need you. You are our one defense. You are our righteousness. Oh God, how we need you. This is cause for great joy, my friends. This is cause for great joy. We are so up and down. Yes? One minute we're standing firm in faith, the next minute we're falling downhill. When we fall, would we fall into the arms of Jesus? Would we fall? Instead of, instead of running from him, would we run to him? He is waiting with abundant mercy, abundant strength. He is waiting with faithful love. I want to ask you to move one more time this morning. I'm going to ask you to move and come and get your communion today because we celebrate. We remember that we have a Savior. We don't have to do this on our own. We are not meant to do this on our own. We cannot do this on our own. We have a Savior. And when we take communion, we remember that we have a man who died for us. We celebrate that we can remember him by taking his body and taking his blood. Would you hold your communion? There's a table in the back with Peter and Chris. There's a table up front with Josh and myself. I'm going to ask you to move one more time. Hold your communion. And we're going to do this together. broken for you, Holly. 
broken for you, Kate. Did everyone who wanted receive? Okay. We take this bread and we remember that his body was broken for you and for me. Not because we deserve it, but because it was his joy to do so. This is cause for great joy. Let's take the bread. His blood was shed to cover our sins, pay the price for us. Nothing we could ever do, nothing we could ever do compares to what he did for us. Nothing we could ever do would be good enough to deserve this gift. He gives it freely to us and invites us, invites us to walk with him. He will sustain us. He forgives us. He will do the reformative work in us. He shed his blood for us, not because we deserve it because it was free, because he loves us. Let's take the cup. Mm 